Good morning, North. Happy New Year. I love combined services. You look fantastic, and it's always fun to watch when somebody from a different service comes in looking for their seat and someone from the previous service is already in it. I enjoyed that a few minutes ago. Did y'all have a good Christmas? Good, good. How many of you still, uh, you've already taken down all the tree, the lights, everything's gone from the house? All right, how many of you are like my house, the tree, the lights, everything's still up? Okay, good, that's the majority of us. I don't feel so bad, Stacy. We're in good company. Um, how many of you are ready to just move forward, get back to the normal pace of life, get on your, your routine? You love the routine. I didn't say applaud, I just said raise your hand. Get overexcited about your routine, that's weird. Um, how, many of you, how many of you, though, would just love to save a few more days, kind of a slower pace, friends and family? You can applaud if you have your hand raised right now. Yes, we want to be excited about that. That's the way it is at our house. We, we typically say at this time of year, it went by too fast. You say that? Yeah, that, that's what we say, I feel like, almost every year. For many of us, at this point after the Christmas holidays, there's, there's this longing that's, that's in our hearts. And, and I find it interesting that in the Christmas season, it, it seems like the whole country and even much of the world starts to slow down and begin to pause and to celebrate Christmas, even though I think many times they don't know exactly what they're, they're celebrating. It's almost like on, on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, there's a sacred hush over the world and especially over our culture, our society, that despite all of the atheism and pluralism and evil that is apparently on the rise and so prevalent anyways in, in our media, Christmas has the, the unique ability to seem to overwhelm all that stuff, doesn't it? For just a few days. And, and, and it's like the world is slowing down to remember this holy day and this, and this holy season. So for post-Christmas, it leaves kind of a, a Christmas lull or that longing in our hearts to kind of hold on to special moments and special times with, with family and friends, Christmas memories, all those kind of things. In his book, uh, The Weight of Glory, C.S. Lewis talks about this longing that's in the hearts of all people, and he calls it the inconsolable secret, a secret that, that, that nothing seems to console, nothing seems to, to, to satisfy, and he says that it's tough to put our finger on that. Now, sometimes we refer to it as nostalgia or the good old, old days or, or adolescence or romanticism, whatever it might be. It's tough to put our finger on it, but it's innate in all of us that we want to hold on to those things for just a little bit longer and even though we try to go back and try to go back, it seems that it slips away and we find ourselves trying to repeat it all again next year, right? But followers of Jesus, we find the satisfaction of that longing, that inconsolable secret, a little bit easier to find because we know that in Christ that we, we find our purpose for living. We find out who God is and we find out that we can be known by God, that he can be known by us and that we can actually find that our lives are pleasing to him. And that's when that inconsolable secret that lies within every person is really, truly satisfied. In our text today, we're gonna to be in Exodus chapter 33. You can turn there if you want. The scriptures will be on the screens as well. Moses is, is wrestling with similar questions and even similar longings in his own heart as he's about to set out to lead God's people, the people of Israel, to the promised land. And in Exodus 33, he's having this back and forth conversation with God. And then he finally comes to a point where he asks God something that no one had ever asked God before up until that point. Moses asked God to show him his glory. And in this post-Christmas lull, I hope to 
refocus our eyes and our hearts this morning to where they should have been all holiday season long and where they need to be in this new year, 2023. Our hearts and our eyes need to be focused on the glory of God. Let's begin reading together, Exodus 33, beginning in verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, leave these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I might know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Verse 18, then Moses said, now show me your glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this new year. We thank you for this first Sunday of the new year to be in your house, to be with your people, be gathered, God, to worship you as we've done in the last few moments and to now to turn our hearts and our attention to your word. I pray that you give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand what you might say to us today through your word. And God, I pray that you would do what Moses asked for, God, here in our midst today. Show us your glory. Show us, God, that you are with us. Show us that you're gonna teach us about you so that we might know you. And show us that we can continue to walk in favor with you. Pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So Moses said, show me your glory. What is he asking for there? The word glory in, in its literal sense and where it's used here in the Hebrew literally means the weight of something or the weightiness of something, the honor, the splendor, or also one of the connotations of this word is the distinction. What makes it distinct? What sets something apart is its, is its glory. And when we think about that definition in terms of the glory of God, it's no wonder that in Isaiah 42, 8, God says, I will not share my glory with another. It's, it's, it's his. So there is no other God like him. There is no one else who is distinct as he is in all his splendor or all in his power or in his, his weightiness, if you will. So what makes God God? Have you thought about that? What makes God God? What sets him apart from everything else in all creation? What sets him apart from every other so-called God? What belongs to him and no one else? Well, the scripture teaches us that he's the one that created all things. He's eternally existent. He created us and now he's given us the ability through divine revelation and through special revelation to know him. Well, if, if that's true, is there any greater pursuit this year? than to understand and to know the glory of God? Is there any greater pursuit in the lives of, of, of people like you and me than to know and to understand what it means to see the glory of God? At some point, I think we all have the same questions that Moses asked before setting out on this journey. We want to see the glory of God. In the text that we read, verses 12 and verse 13, I see three fundamental questions that, that Moses is, is, is probing God for, that he's asking of him. And he's asking him, hey, will you be with me? Will you teach me your ways? And will I continue to find favor with you? 
You see, after the parting of the Red Sea and even prior to that, all the plagues that God had, had visited upon uh, Egypt to, to get Pharaoh to release his people, listen, Moses and most of these people were convinced that this was the Almighty God. This was their God. But now Moses, on the precipice of leaving Sinai and moving towards the promised land, he wants to know that this God is going to be with him. Is, is he just a God of deliverance or is he a God of relationship that is going to stay with the people? So let's look at these questions one by one. The first one, will you be with me? Moses wants to know if God himself is really going to go along with him and with the people on this journey. I remember several years ago, uh, my son Ty and I were having the talk. You laugh already. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get better. Um, <laughs> we're having the talk. And so I'm kind of easing into it a little bit with some generalities and, and kind of setting him up for the nitty gritty stuff. And I wanted to make sure he's following along with me. So I just kind of paused and I said, Ty, do you understand what I'm saying so far? And I'll never forget it. He looked at me and he said, I don't know where you're going, but I want to go with you. I had the same reaction as you. I laughed. I will never forget those words. But as a, the more I thought about it, I thought, what a great sign of faith that he had in his dad. What a great compliment to me, regardless of the subject matter, I think, that wherever his dad was wanting to lead him in that conversation, Ty was all in. And he said, I want to go there with you. That's exactly what I think Moses is trying to get out of God. God, I don't know exactly where you're taking us. Look, I want you to be the one leading us there. I, I can't do this on my own. I want you to be, to be with me. Moses wanted that assurance before they set out uh, into the wilderness. And here's why. We're in Exodus 33 from our text, but just one chapter prior in Exodus 32, the people had decided that Moses was up on Mount Sinai talking to God for far too long. The scripture says that he was up there for 40 days and nights receiving the law of God, and God was speaking to them. And the people decided he was up there for far too long. So that Exodus 32 tells us they took all their gold and they gave it to Aaron, Moses' brother, and they said, fashion for us a God. And so he melts everything down and he creates, the scripture says, an idol, a, a visible God, a golden calf, if you will. And God is furious at this behavior. And at the beginning of Exodus 33, he actually tells Moses, you go and take the people to the land, but I'm not going with you because I may destroy the people along the way. Think about that. You go and take the people, but I'm not going because I may destroy them along the way. And Moses was not content with this. God had said, I'm gonna send my angel ahead of you, but I'm not going. And Moses was not content with it. Remember what he said in verse 12. He said, you haven't told me who you were sending with me. And then he reminded him later in verse 15. He said, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from this place. God had already told him who it was gonna be. He said he was going to send an angel ahead of him. But Moses wanted to know that God himself was gonna go along for the journey. He didn't want a representative. He didn't want an angel. He didn't want some kind of messenger. Moses wanted the assurance that God himself was going to be with them in the journey. And we want the same thing, don't we? In our relationship with God, we want the real thing. We don't want a mediator. You don't want a priest. You don't want to have a relationship with God through your pastor or even through your church. You want to know him personally. You want to know the creator. You want to know the one who is the omnipotent, all-powerful one, the one with all the splendor, the one with the weightiness, the one who is distinctly God and no one else is like him. If he's available to be known, man, I don't want somebody in between. I want to know him. And that leads us to the next question Moses asked. He said, 
will you teach me your ways? What, what a fantastic request. Let's not, let's not miss what Moses is asking for here because Exodus chapters 19 through 31, that's the time that Moses spent up on Sinai. That's God giving Moses all of the laws and the regulations for life, but also for their worship. And chapter after chapter, Moses had the law, but Moses wasn't asking for the law. He said, God, I want you to teach me about you that I might know you. Teach me your ways that I might know you. That's the question of discipleship. That's the question of relationship that I think that we all have in our lives. God, I wanna know more than just the rules and the laws. I wanna know you. And this is a question that I pray over our church, over Mount Perrin North, that we would have on our hearts and that we would be asking of the Lord this year. God, teach us your ways. Teach us about you that we might know you. Like, like, like Moses we already understand that God fully knows us. If we have any good theology at all about who God is and, and how much he knows and, 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 and his splendor, he already knows us. But man, if he's knowable, I wanna know him. I want our church to know him, to, to, to be the kind of people that God wants that is pushing past just rule keeping into knowing him, to knowing his heart and having our hearts transformed through that knowledge. So Moses asked God, will you, Teach me your ways that I might know you. And that leads us to the, the last fundamental question that I see that Moses asks. Will I find favor with you? Will I find favor with you? So Moses had already asked for God's presence to be with him. He has to be taught the ways of God that he would know him and understand him. And now he asks, will I find favor with you? Will I continue to find favor with you? It's one thing to know that God is with us. It's another thing for him to reveal himself to us that we might know him. But, but to what end, to, to what purpose? What would be the result of this journey that he was about to, to take with the people of Israel? What would be the end result of occupying or living in the promised land? Moses wanted to know that they would continue to find the favor or the, or the grace of God as they went to the land, but as, then as they stayed in the land, would it remain on them? That's why at the end of verse 13, he says, God, remember that this nation is whose? It's, it's your people. I want you to be our God. I want you to allow your favor and your grace to, to be with us. I want you to provide for us. I want you to rule over us. Moses knew that the safest place and the most sure place for this journey and for existing in the land was if the favor and the grace of God had rested with them and stayed with them. And he's asking God, will we really continue to belong to you and will you continue to be our God? We don't want a one-time deliverance. We want a God of relationship. We wanna continue in favor with you. And when God says yes, when God answered Moses' question and said, yes, I will do as you have asked, that's when Moses says, now, show me your glory. Show me your splendor. Show me what distinguishes you from all the other gods, from everything else in all creation. And the text goes on to say that God did just that. He showed Moses his glory, but not fully. It says that he took Moses to this place called the cleft of a rock, and he put him there in that cleft, and he said, Moses, I'm gonna cause my glory to pass by you, and I'm gonna allow you to see my back or see me from behind. He actually said in, in, in verse 20, you cannot see my face and live. So Moses was privileged to, to see the glory of God partially from behind, pass by him, 
And it changed him. It, 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 it literally changed him that he led Israel confidently for, for 40 more years. He took them to the, to the precipice of the, of the promised land. And Moses got to see the glory of God up close, but, but the people didn't. The people didn't have that, that privilege. They had the temple to worship or the tabernacle to worship in. They saw some of the signs. They saw some of the wonders, but they never physically got to see the glory of God. And the people of God have been asking those kind of questions ever since. We're still asking them today in our prayers, in our relationship, or in our seeking of God. Are you really with us? Will you really teach me about you, God, so that I might know you? And will I, in my life, and my family, will we continue to find favor with you? This, I think, is part of the longing that C.S. Lewis was talking about. The longing in our hearts, the longing in the hearts of people everywhere, the longing that was in the heart of Moses and God's people then, the longing that would last for 1,400 more years from Sinai. The prophets prophesied about it. The prophets gave answers to the longing in people's hearts of what God was going to do when no one saw the promises kept or the promises realized until Christ, until Jesus came. And the world shifted from the, from the request of show me your glory to we have seen his glory. John, the apostle John in his gospel, opening verses as he's talking about the first coming of Jesus, born into the world as a baby, this holiday that we celebrated just, just last week. He says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was the life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Listen to verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his what? His glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. That first Christmas, when Jesus was born, everything changed. The questions, the longing, the waiting of the people of God was finally over. The glory of God was revealed in Jesus. Not partially from the cleft of a rock where you can just see the backside. No, the prophets had prophesied it already and Matthew in his gospel confirms it that his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. The question of God, will you, will you really be with us, is answered in Jesus. God says yes, and he shows up in the flesh. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we've seen his glory. Whose glory? The glory of the one and only. Think about this. What was too glorious for Moses to see face to face is now wrapped in flesh and living among us. If you doubt me, listen what Hebrews 1.3 says. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Jesus is not God Jr. Jesus is not God the vice president. Jesus is not God the messenger. It's God, the exact representation of his being, the glory of God revealed in Jesus Christ. So God, will you be with us? What does Jesus say? Matthew 28, 20. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What about the second question that Moses asked? God, will you teach me your ways? 
Listen to what Jesus says, John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from the, my father, I have made known to you. Do you really wanna know the eternal God, the creator, the weighty one, the distinct one in all of his splendor? Jesus says that everything about the father has been made known to us in him. Moving beyond rule keeping, laws, sacrifice, all that stuff is fulfilled in the, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We now have access to know God personally, to be in relationship with our almighty God. It's, it's, it's amazing. And that leads us to the third fundamental question. Will we continue to find favor or grace from God? What did the angels announce or to the shepherds that night that Jesus was born, Luke 2, 14? Glory to God in the highest, meaning, God, your glory, your splendor, your distinction in the, in the highest form. Why? And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When Jesus came, the favor of God now rested upon God's people. In the Old Testament, people were out of favor and in favor. They would rebel against God and sin against him, and they'd be captive and then they would turn back to him and he would deliver them again and they would find favor with him. But now in Jesus, the favor of God remains on his people. For those of us in Christ, those of us who, who, who know the glorious son of God, we continue to walk in his grace. We continue to walk in his favor every day of our lives. Why? Because that first Christmas changed everything. The questions that Moses had there at the foot of Mount Sinai was all answered. The longings of, of, of the people of God, the questions of the people of God were all answered there at Sinai. God is now with us and we can continue to find favor with him. The glory of God was revealed to the world perfectly through Jesus Christ. And if that was the end of the sermon, it would be good news. And if you have brunch plans, that would also be good news. But there's so much more. And it gets even better for us. I promise you, I'm, I'm almost done. I'm wrapping it up, sort of. <laughs> so we go from show me your glory to we have seen his glory to we are transformed by his glory. Back in our Exodus text at, at the end of, uh, of the chapter, at the, in the very next chapter, verse 34, or excuse me, chapter 34, it tells us that Moses had been meeting with God so much face to face that his own physical face began to radiate. Whatever that means, there was an aura about him that his face was shining um, from talking with God face to face so much and being in his, in his presence. And it says that the people were terrified of this. It said they didn't even wanna approach Moses. They were so scared of why this man's face is, is shining. And the text actually says in, in chapter 34 of Exodus that Moses put a veil over his face when he was out among the people and would take it off when he would go into the tent of meeting and, 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 and be in the presence of the Lord and speak to him. But listen to what the apostle Paul writes about you and me, those of us who are in Christ now. Second Corinthians chapter three, starting in verse 17, he writes, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with what? Unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Here's where it gets better for us. Paul said, the Lord is the Spirit, capital S, right? This is the Holy Spirit of God, that he reveals now 
the glory of God to us. And unlike Moses who veiled his face to go out among the people, Paul says, we who with unveiled faces that we will be in the presence of God, we will be exposed to the presence of God. We are now transformed by the glory of God that we're experiencing. And I want you to see this from Old Testament to New Testament, that woven throughout scripture is this theme of the glory, glory of God. It's, it's, it's all over the place, but I want you to see it, that it's there at the foot of Sinai, that it's there at the first Christmas when Jesus is born, and it's now available to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's woven not just throughout scripture, but it's woven throughout the Trinity. And only God can do stuff like this, that Father, Son, Spirit, all share the same glory. And what Paul says is now by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the glory of God is not just something that we behold, not just something that we see, but it's something to be experienced. And what Paul says subsequently, we're transformed by the glory of God. Think about this. God's glory is so great. It's so weighty. It has such, going back to that definition, it has such distinction that you and I being exposed to the glory of God has the power to transform us. It has the power to, to change us. But why? Well, first and foremost, it is for his glory, that God is glorified by our salvation. God's glorified by our redemption. He's glorified when we are changed and transformed to become more and more like him. But number two, it's also for our benefit that we begin to live and behave and act the way that God wanted us to all along and to be in relationship with him as transformed creatures, creatures that are being made in his likeness all over again. The Holy Spirit does that work in us. And here's what I would say to you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the glory of God that's revealed in us now means that yesterday does not define our today and it sure doesn't define our tomorrow. 2023 can be the greatest year of your life. 2022 might have been awesome for you, fantastic. But 2023 can be even better. Here's, here's what I would say to you. By, by, by the word of the Lord and by the work of the Spirit, that what lies before the people of God, what lies before us is greater than what was behind us. Paul said that we are transformed with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. Ever-increasing glory is available for you and me. Isn't that good news? Uh, this side of the church, I think, gets it. Let me ask this side of the church. <laughs> Maybe it's just the amen corner right here. Thank you, Rosie. I seem to call on you every sermon. Uh, isn't that good news that what lies before us is greater than what's behind us? Uh, good, good, good. They're awake now. Welcome to the service. Glad to have you here. My name is Pastor Brett. I don't even know where I am in my notes. What was I saying? So we're back in, back in Exodus 33. I'm gonna start this all over again just to get my rhythm. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Moses had these three fundamental questions. Will you be with us? Will you be with me? Will you teach me so that I can know you? And will I continue to find favor with you? And God's answer to Moses back then was yes, but it was veiled, right? It was, it was partial. It was from the cleft of a rock. Then in Jesus Christ, God's glory is revealed fully, completely, perfectly in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. God revealed to us. Everything that Jesus knew about himself and about the Father is revealed. He's promised to be with us to the end and he's promised that his favor is gonna rest on his people. But what about these same three questions for us today by the ministry of the Holy Spirit? In, in John chapter 16, the gospel of John chapter 16, Jesus is telling his disciples, he's preparing them that he's about to go away. And the scripture says that they're grieved 
that they're upset by this, that, that Jesus is going to leave. Why are you going to leave? We now believe that you're the Christ and you're gonna leave us? And, and Jesus says, it's actually for your benefit if I go away. Have you read that before? He says, it's for your good that I go away. Here's what he said in John chapter 14, talking about the same topic. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, says the world cannot accept him because it neither knows him, it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be, finish it with me, in you. He is with you and he will be in you. So what the Holy Spirit does is he takes the power and the presence of the glory of God Almighty and he makes him available, not just to be exposed to us, not just something to behold, but in us, something to be experienced, something that has a transforming work in our hearts. Will God be with us in 2023? Absolutely, yes. And even more so if we will open ourselves up to receive him and receive the Holy Spirit of God that longs to live inside his believers. Will he teach us his ways? Listen to what Jesus said about him in verse 26 of that same gospel, John 14. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. You see, just beyond the going through the laws and all the rule keeping, God wants us to know him. He wants our hearts. He wants us to know his heart. And as 2 Corinthians 3 said, he wants that subsequent knowing him and understanding him, being filled by his spirit to transform our lives with ever increasing glory. Here's what I believe the Spirit of God will do in you this year if you allow him to. He's going to take you deeper into the word of God so that you understand him. The Spirit of God in this coming year, if you'll allow him to, he will prompt you to pray. He will prompt you to intercede. He will teach you how to pray. And when you don't know the words to pray, the scripture says, he will pray through you. And a, this is a can't lose situation for us. Listen, beginning next Sunday, shameless pitch here, beginning next Sunday, we're gonna embark on 21 days of prayer and fasting. You figure out what that fasting part looks like, but engage with God, engage with the church in 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to ask God to continue to purify us, to, to call us, to use us, to root out things in us that need to be rooted out, to, to give us new revelations, show us what he wants us to do in our lives and what he wants to do corporately as a church this year. Take advantage of that. Join in with the church and seek God in this year and the spirit will, will empower you, not just for 21 days, but all year long and the next year until Christ comes. That's the kind of work that the spirit of God wants to do in your life and in this church. Can you say amen? amen. What about the question of continuing in God's favor? Romans chapter eight, it's beautiful. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Listen to what the spirit does. I'm gonna read that again. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Paul says that, look, 
We've received the spirit of God, not the spirit of fear, not the spirit of rejection, not the, uh, the, the, the spirit of, of not being enough or, or fear of being slaves to sin for the rest of our lives. He said, all those things are done away with. And what the spirit of God does is it comes replaces all that terrible stuff with testifying to our spirits, the deepest part of us, the longing part of us that Lewis talked about. He says, really, truly, you're the children of God. You are the children of God. That distinction that Moses was asking for in Exodus 33, what's gonna set us apart, God? How will the nations know that you really favor us? That comes by the Spirit, by the blood of Christ, by the adoption of the Holy Spirit. We are now the children of God and he transforms our lives. Why? So that we would reflect his glory to the world around us. The very thing that Moses was seeking after is now available to you and me by the power of the Holy Spirit that he would be within us, living inside of us, transforming our lives more and more to reflect the glory of God so the world might know that we belong to him and the world might have hope that they too may belong to him by putting their faith in Jesus. Some of us in the room need to let that truth sink in deep into our heads and into our hearts that the past is the past, that your identity is now in Christ and the spirit has given you the, the spirit of sonship or if you're a, a lady, a female in the room, the spirit of daughtership that you belong to God. The greatest days for you, the greatest days for the fam your family, the greatest days for the, your, this church lie before us because we're being transformed with ever increasing glory that comes from the Lord who is the spirit. You may be looking for truth this morning. You may be tuning in online just wondering what this church or this God thing is all about. There is enough here in, 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 in the scriptures and in this service today for you to begin your faith journey, for you to understand that God has made it plain to anyone who will look for him, who he is and how much he loves, what lengths he went to by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die the death that we deserve to die, to be raised to new life and to offer us new life in him. That's here for you this morning. Some of you are looking for assurance maybe in this new year. You need to let go of the past and understand that the greatest days for you, the greatest days for your family, they lie before us because the glory of God has offered it to us through the person of the Holy Spirit alive and well in our lives. The questions of life, the questions that people have in their hearts, the longing, it's all answered in the word of God. The questions of significance, of meaning, of purpose for our lives, all answered in the word of God, finding what he has in store for you, finding what this year holds and walking in obedience with him, it's all here for you. We sang it over and over just a few minutes ago, freedom from addiction, freedom from habitual sin, thinking that you're going to be a slave to sin forever, that's rubbish. The word of God says that's been replaced now by the spirit of adoption, that you belong to God, that you're his child. Here's what it comes down to, I believe this morning being bold enough to ask what Moses asked of God there at the foot of Mount Sinai. God, show me your glory. That's my prayer for this church this coming year. It's my prayer for you this morning is that you, not me from the stage, but you on a personal level would speak to Almighty God and say, God, this year, beginning today, show me your glory. And it's gonna look different for those of us in the room, we, our prayer team was praying before service. And one of the things I distinctly felt and distinctly prayed is that God's glory showing up in the lives of a church this size and a crowd this size this morning is gonna look very different 
For some of you, it's going to be step one of your faith to say, yes, I wanna respond to who God is and what he's done. For some of you, it's gonna be, hey, God, I I need to know you. Teach me your ways. I wanna go deeper in my walk with you now and and this year. And for some of you that maybe have had a rough 2022, God, I, I really need to feel like I'm walking in your favor this year. But whatever it is, wherever you fit in those options, sincerely pray, God, show me your glory. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads if you would here in the room. I wanna give category one that I just mentioned a moment ago, people who, who need to begin that faith journey. Maybe you walked with God years ago and things have not been good here recently. You need a fresh start. I thank God that we serve a God of fresh starts. If that's you, if you need that brand new start this year on January 1st, 2023, I want you to just raise your hand if that's you. I just wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna call you forward right now. I just wanna pray for you all over the room. If that's you, you're looking for a brand new start in him, would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, you can put them back down. We're gonna open our altars here in just a moment. And we do this typically every week. I don't wanna set the altar call up and this time of prayer up a little bit different. A lot of times we say, you know, if, if, you, if you need healing or, or, or uh, have a need in your life, um, and we still want you to come for those reasons. But I wanna lay out three things that just a response to the word. And you, you can look up, you can look up now. Thank you for, uh, for giving those folks making a decision for Christ just uh, uh, that moment. But three things. One, those folks that raise your hand, I am gonna ask you to come now. I'm gonna ask you to meet with somebody from our prayer team and prayer team, if you'd get ready and go ahead and come forward. If you're making a decision that you want a brand new, fresh start with Christ, somebody down here is gonna pray with you, talk to you about what that means and pray what we in the church call the prayer of faith, to receive Christ, to accept his death and his resurrection for your sins to give you that brand new start. And they're gonna give you some materials that get you started in your faith journey. Secondly, those who need a deeper walk, just say, Pastor Brett, I've just kind of been playing. This has been a Sunday thing for me, but I really want to know God this year. I'll tell you some practical steps, get into a life group, get in one of our Sunday morning groups or home group. But you wanna say, Brett, I'm I'm making a decision today. I wanna go deeper in my walk with the Lord this year. Come and pray with one of these folks. Let them agree with you. And then thirdly, that we would walk in the favor of God. Where does that come from? Where does that assurance come from? It comes from the infilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And for some of you in the room that maybe have never experienced this before, I'm gonna invite you to be bold and to ask God to show you his glory by giving you his spirit, to allow his spirit to live inside of you. It's not a weird thing. It's a New Testament thing that Jesus promised. He said the spirit is with you, but he will be in you. Don't miss out on what Jesus has offered you. What Jesus said is available to live this life. If you wanna see the glory of God in that way, I ask you to come forward, pray with one of these folks to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. You come, I'm gonna begin to pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that at Sinai, in Bethlehem, when you were born, and now by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, your glory has been revealed time and time again. God, I pray that as your people respond to you today, that you would 
do, Lord, what we've talked about and what we're asking today. Show us your glory. It's the greatest thing that we could see today. It's the greatest thing that we could have in our lives, God. But as you reveal yourself to us, help our hearts to respond to you with obedience. Touch your people as they come. God, answer every prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You come. Let's sing together and sing. Here as we wait, seek your face. Come and make your throne upon our praise. Here in this place, have your way. The moment that we see you, we are changed. So show us your glory. Show us your glory. In wonder and surrender, we fall
give him praise. Amen. 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 Ever increasing glory available to you and me. This is going to be a great year. I encourage you to be back next Sunday to hear Pastor Kirk preach and kick off our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Eat something really great on Saturday. <laughs> you figure that out what that fasting looks like. I also want to encourage you, uh, a, a special uh, next Wednesday night, the, the, not this Wednesday, Wednesday the 11th, a special gathering here uh, in, the, in the worship centers. We'll be here for that. Um, if you made a decision for Christ today, Man, we are so proud of you. Um, if one of these folks didn't give you some materials, come back up here. Just give us a minute or two. We want to get a, a devotional guide or a booklet that can take you through some scriptures uh, of what it means to be a, a believer, a follower of Jesus. We'd love to help you begin that faith journey. And we don't say this often enough, but folks online, if you're making decisions to follow Christ, hey, reach out and let us know. We, we want to talk to you as well. We'll get the same materials to you. We want to begin that discipleship relationship uh, with, with you as well. And then if you're new here, I know it's a, it's a holiday Sunday. You probably have plans, and I do too, but that's later on tonight. I'd love to meet you. I'll be out in this main lobby to your right and my left, and I'd love to meet you out there and just wish you a happy new year. Now, if you will, allow me the privilege to bless you before we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, to be gracious unto you and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you. I love you, folks. Happy New Year.